from the Pardes Institute of Jewish Studies, this is Pardes from Jerusalem. I'm Larry Kluger, a Pardes alum. This week, Pinchas, summer is here, and if you don't have other plans, then we invite you to join us at Pardes. Things will be hot all summer in Pardes with different programs, different uh, sessions of the summer program, and lots of other events as well. Check out all the events on the Pardes website, that's pardes.org org.il, especially the summer session too. Jump on a plane, come on over, and we'd love to have you. This week, Pechus with Rabbi Leon Morris. Rabbi Leon Morris is the president of Pardes. And now, Rabbi Leon Morris. Thank you, Larry. In this week's parasha, parasha Pinchas, I'm thinking about the question of who are our heroes? Sports figures, movie stars, politicians, what makes a hero a hero? And how does our notion of the heroic change as we grow older? You know, I'm thinking about a, uh, a song that I grew up with in, in Nifty, in my youth movement, uh, a song by Debbie Friedman that said, heroes are just people that we call another name. And when I think about my children, uh, ages five to nine, their heroes are largely superheroes. They are fictional characters like Superman and Spider-Man, uh, people who have uh, figures who have extraordinary physical powers that allow them to right wrongs and make the world more just on their own. And I think that for children, these superheroes do a few things. They embody the qualities that children lack the most, strength, power, and skill. And these superheroes are largely engaged in acts that see the world as relatively black and white, right and wrong, the way that children see the world themselves. Kids frequently speak about fairness. We hear all the time, it's not fair. So superheroes are committed almost exclusively to making things fair. And that's what makes them so attractive to children. But as we grow older, we tend to see as heroes those whose contributions to the world reflect the values we aspire to the most. Adult heroes are able to attain their achievements in the real world. And often their accomplishments involve working within a system, learning how to navigate complex political realities, and persuading others. Adult heroes mostly achieve justice by fighting for justice, not by acting solely on their own or taking a situation into their own hands the way that superheroes work. Just like the shift from childhood superheroes to more complex adult concepts of heroism, a similar shift can be found within Jewish life. When the Jewish people was young, our heroes were perhaps more like childhood heroes. And I want to suggest that as the Jewish people matured, our notion of the heroic became more nuanced. The heroic prototype of the Jewish people moved from zealousness and a certain kind of passion 
to thoughtfulness. It moved from figures who mete out justice to those who champion deliberation. And we see this shift in a most pronounced way through the character of Pinchas in the end of last week's parasha and at the beginning of this week's parasha. The Moabites were spreading idolatry to the Israelites. And at the end of last week's parasha, an Israelite man is being intimate with a Moabite woman and Pinchas uh, takes a spear in his hand, follows them into their bedroom and stabs both of them. And the story is left hanging until the opening psukim, the first verses of this week's parasha. And at first glance, and I think taking into consideration the pshat, the straightforward understanding, Pinchas seems to be rewarded for his action. Vayidaber Hashem el Moshe lemor. Pinchas ben Elazar ben Aharon HaKohen, heshiv at chamati me'al b'nei Yisrael, bekano et kinati betocham. That uh, the Eternal spoke to Moses saying, Pinchas, the son of Elazar, the son of Aharon, the priest, has turned my wrath away from the children of Israel in that he was zealous for my sake among them. And I didn't consume the children of Israel in my jealousy because of what Pinchas had done. And the, uh, the verse continues, the next verse, Lachain emor. Therefore I say, Hinani no tain lo et briti shalom. I give to him my covenant of peace. The Haita Lo Ulizaro Aharav Brit Kuhunat Olam. And he shall have it, this covenant of peace, and his descendants after him, the covenant of an everlasting priesthood. And then just in case we missed why this reward, Tahat Asher Kine Lelohav Vaihaper. Al B'nai Israel, because he was zealous for his God and made atonement for the children of Israel. Now, again, the early stage of our people's development in the pshat of the Torah itself, Pinchas is given a breach shalom, a covenant of peace, and this sounds in its context to be a reward for zealotry. The heroic uh, virtue in the Torah seems to be represented by Pinchas's zealotry. But the rabbis in the later stages of the life of the Jewish people, as the Jewish people grows and matures, our, our interpretive expansive tradition has a more developed more mature, if you will, notion of the heroic. The rabbis see the problematics of zealotry, and so they read into this story other very different notions of what might be considered heroic 
in Pinchas, namely the pursuits of peace. And they have a, uh, a somewhat uh, different view of what it means that Pinchas was given, uh, as a result of his zealous actions, a breach shalom. The Midrash in Bamidbar Rabbah states, uh, Gadol HaShalom, great is the blessing of peace, which God granted to Pinchas, because the world runs on nothing other than peace. The Torah is solely peace. As it says, its ways are ways of pleasantness, and all its paths are peace. Uh, this idea that the breach Shalom, the covenant of peace, is a kind of reproof as a result of Pinchas's actions are uh, reflected fairly widely, not exclusively, but fairly widely uh, within uh, Midrash and among many commentators. Uh, one Hasidic commentator uh, says it more explicitly, uh, Bet Yud Natan, Rabbi Bet Yud Natan, after the great zealousness that he acted upon for God, God gives Pinchas the Brit Shalom, the covenant of peace. It is as if the Torah is hinting that the path of Shalom is always preferable to and more successful than the path of zealousness and war. These kinds of commentaries understand Brit Shalom not as a reward, but as something that urges Pinchas to change his approach going forward. The rabbis signal a shift in defining the heroic. In our people's youth, again, the hero was the zealot, the one who acted immediately on behalf of God and took the law into his own hands. But later on, as our people grew and matured, Pinchas was recontextualized. He was a hero because he changed, because he became a man of peace, because he was able to repair something he had done, because he learned that the path of peace is the most important path of all. This is reflected in a second issue that I'd like to raise that is... um that really builds on this idea of the change of the heroic. And this is the question of who is allowed to be zealous for God. Uh, this hinges on uh, the verse in our parasha, chapter 25, verse 13, in which uh, we read, Again, uh, that this breach shalom is, a, re, is awarded to Pinchas, tachat asher kine lelohav vaychaper al b'nei Yisrael, because he was zealous, uh, because he was zealous for his God, and he atoned therefore for the children of Israel. Now, um, this word. Kine uh, reminds us, of course, that God is described by God's self as El Kana back in Exodus chapter 20, verse 4. 
This uh, will be familiar to, uh, to many of you. It's the second commandment. As part of the second commandment in the Ten Commandments, Lo uh, Elohim Acherim Al Panai, you shall have no other gods uh, before me. It goes on to say, uh, in verse uh, 5 of chapter 20, Lo Tishtachavelehem Velo Ta'avdeim, you shall not bow down to them and you shall not worship them. Ki anochi Adonai Elohecha El Kana, because I, the eternal your God, am a jealous God or a zealous God, uh, visiting, uh, punishing the fathers upon the children, uh, the iniquity of the fathers on the children until the third and fourth generation of those who hate me but showing mercy to thousands of generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. Perhaps the idea that develops later in Jewish life after the Pinchas narrative is that only God can be zealous for God in this kind of way. Um, Rashi comments in our parasha, Coming back to uh, chapter 25, verse 11, where uh, it's, Pinchas is described as uh, it says, Heshiv et chamati me'al b'nei Yisrael bekano et kinati betocham. That he was zealous for, Pinchas was zealous for my sake, says God, among them. Um, so Rashi has a very beautiful and interesting comment here. Rashi comments on Bikano et Kinati when he was jealous for or zealous for me. Uh, Rashi says, Binakmo et Nikmati, Bikatspo et that uh, when he was zealous on my behalf uh, means when he displayed, when he avenged my vengeance, when he displayed the anger that I should have displayed. This idea that Pinchas experienced the zealousness that really belongs to God as an El Kana, as a zealous or jealous God, connects as well to our Haftarah. The Haftarah is drawn from First uh, Kings, uh, Malachim Aleph, and uh, has the uh, the beautiful, famous scene of Eliyahu Hanavi, of Elijah the prophet, fleeing from uh, King Ahav, Ahab, and Jezebel, who seek to kill him. And he's just had this divine showdown with the prophets of Baal and has been victorious. And the famous line, Hashem Hu HaElohim, uh, the eternal is God, and he flees to, uh, to the desert, and, uh, he experiences God passing by in a big wind, 
And it says God was not in the wind and after the wind an earthquake and God was not in the earthquake and after the earthquake a fire. God was not in the fire and after the fire, kol demama daka, a still small voice. And then we come to uh, the part that connects most explicitly with uh, the parasha and the story of Pinchas. So after hearing or experiencing this kol demamadaka, this still small voice, uh, we read in verse uh, in verse thirteen, chapter nineteen, verse thirteen in First uh, Kings. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle, and he went out and he stood in the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him, which said, what are you doing here, Eliyahu? And, uh, Eliyahu. And Elijah says, Vayomer, Kano kineti ladonai, Elohe tzvaot ki azvu ritcha b'nei Yisrael, Et mizbechotecha harasu ve'et neviecha hargu v'cherev va'ivater ani levadi va'ivakshu et nafshi l'kachta. So uh, God says, what are you doing here, Eliyahu? And Elijah, Eliyahu says, I have been zealous for you. For the Lord, the, the eternal, the God of hosts, because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They've thrown down your altars. They've slain your prophets with the sword. And I alone am left or I am left alone. And they seek my life to take it away. And God then tells him to return. So um, the rabbis Link, Pinchas, and Elijah. The Yalkut Shimoni says explicitly, uh, Amar Rabbi Shimon ben Lakish, Pinchas hu Eliyahu. That Shimon ben Lakish says Pinchas is Elijah. And uh, likewise, other commentaries uh, make the comparison uh, in a in a whole variety of ways, namely in the character traits and the zealousness of both of these figures. Uh, the Shnei Luchot Habrit uh, writes, noting that in our parasha, in uh, Numbers chapter 25, verse 13, uh, we have uh, a kind of a play on words that links with the name of Elijah. We're brought back to the verse that I quoted earlier. Tachat asher kine lelohav, because he was jealous for his God. And the, uh, the word lelohav can be read as le'eliyahu, to Elijah. But the Shnei Luchot Habrit isn't just uh, depending on this kind of play with the letters. Uh, he, like many of the commentators, notes 
that there's a comparison that Elijah also displayed jealousy on behalf of God uh, and that this is a trait that they uh, that they share in common. This idea that uh, zealousness should be reserved for God is reflected in a beautiful midrash about this story of Eliyahu Hanavi, Elijah the prophet, and precisely the verses that we read uh, in Shir Hasharim Rabbah, in which uh, the verse uh, takes the words of Elijah when God asks him, why are you here? And it creates a kind of back-and-forth dialogue uh, drawing from that verse of what Eliyahu Hanavi says, what Elijah says, and fills in God's part. So uh, they, the Midrash imagines the dialogue as something like this, uh, that Eliyahu says, uh, I have acted zealously for the eternal God of Israel because the Israelites have forsaken your covenant. And then God says to him, my covenant, perhaps Eliyahu, you think this is your covenant? And then Elijah continues with the verse, and they've torn down your altars. And the Midrash imagines God saying, my altars, perhaps you, Eliyahu, think they're your altars? And then it continues with the verse in which Eliyahu says, and they killed your prophets by the sword. And God says to him, imagine, the Midrash imagines, God says to him, my prophets, they are my prophets, so why do you care? And then it picks up the verse again, and Elijah says, but I am left alone, and they are trying to take my life. The Midrash then returns us earlier in the story, earlier in the same chapter, chapter 19, verse 6, and goes back to these uh, ritzafim, these cakes baked on coals that Eliyahu was eating in the desert. And it interprets the word ritzafim to mean uh, a further rebuke of God toward Eliyahu saying, stop saying things against my children. So here too, when we look at the later interpretations of these biblical narratives. We have the hero being reframed as the defender, not the accuser of the people. The hero not as a vigilante, but as an advocate and a teacher. Parallels the Brit Shalom of Pinchas, which moved us from zealotry toward justice, mediated by peace. And this narrative of Eliyahu, the Haftarah, reminding us that we are not God, that zealousness belongs to God, but the qualities of God that we are to emulate are those defined by peace. And I'm thinking of that beautiful Agadah from the Talmud, from Masechet Sota, 14a, uh, connected to a later Torah portion, uh, in which uh, the question is, how do we walk 
after God's ways? How do we follow God? The uh, the verse uh, that this Agadah is uh, is anchored in is uh, Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 5, Sefer Devarim, Acharei Adonai Elohechem Telechu, that you should walk after, literally, walk after the ways of the eternal, your God. And the Agadah says, is it possible to walk after the divine presence? Uh, God is a devouring fire. How can you walk after God's presence? And the Agadah says, no, what it means is that you're to follow after the ways, after the characteristics of the Holy One. Just as God clothed the naked, you should clothe the, na- clothe the naked. Just as God visited the sick, you should visit the sick. Just as God buried the dead, you should bury the dead. Um, and it's that direction that seems to be paralleled through the development of the figures of Pinchas and Eliyahu, that Pinchas and Eliyahu bequeath to us through the Brit Shalom of this week's parasha, a shift in how we define the heroic and the direction of how we can aspire toward these heroic attributes in our own lives. Thank you, Rabbi Morris. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode of Pardis from Jerusalem.